It's been wonderful to be with you, and I trust that something goes home with you to help you to be an overcomer, that you'll make some decisions in your life, maybe that you haven't been as faithful in as you could be in. Remember, this is the race that we're in. This is the only race that you have, and we don't know when. It could be tomorrow. Someone leaves here and goes to heaven. We don't know that. And I trust, I haven't personally asked each one, I believe each one of you know the Lord is your Savior, but there may be someone listening to, or there may be someone whose heart isn't sure. That's the most important decision. If you're not sure, you've got to make sure. Not, well, I'm 99% sure that's not good enough. You have to know for 100% that you're on your way to heaven, and then share that with those around you. 1 John 5, 4 to 5. Could someone read that, please? For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah, wonderful verse, isn't it? Okay, a little bit of humor in our last lesson. Toad baked some cookies. These cookies smell really good, said Toad. He ate one, and they taste even better, he said. Toad ran to Frog's house. Frog, Frog, taste these cookies that I've made. Frog ate one of the cookies. Those are the best cookies I've ever tasted, said Frog. Frog and Toad ate many cookies, one after another. You know, Toad said Frog with his mouth full, I think we should stop eating, we're going to get sick. You're right, said Toad. Let's just eat one last cookie, and then we'll stop. Toad and Frog ate one last cookie. We must stop cooking, cried Toad as he ate another. Yes, he said, reaching for a cookie. We need willpower. What is willpower, said Toad? Don't you love this? Willpower is trying hard not to do something you really want to do, said Frog. You mean like trying not to eat these cookies, said Toad? Right, said Frog. Frog put the cookies in the box. Now, he said, we won't eat any more cookies. But we can open the box, said Toad. That's true, said Frog. Frog tied some string around the box. There, now we won't eat any more cookies. But we can cut the string and open the box, said Toad. That's true, said Frog. Frog got a ladder. He put the box on a high shelf. There, said Frog, now we won't eat any more cookies. But we can climb the ladder, take the box down, cut the string, and eat all the cookies we want. That's true, said Frog. Frog climbed the ladder, took the box down from the shelf. He cut the string and opened the box. Frog took the box outside. He shouted in a loud voice, Here, birds, come eat some cookies. Birds came from everywhere. They picked up all the cookies in their beaks and flew away. Now we have no more cookies to eat, said Toad, sadly, not even one. Yes, said Frog, but we have lots and lots of willpower. You can keep it all, Frog, said Toad. I'm going home and make a cake. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Would someone read that again for the last time? Let us lay aside every weight 
and the set in which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him in the word of the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. So these, this race that we're on, we've got to just lay aside every weight, everything that takes our time, the sin that we each can have sins that are easily, easier, harder for us to conquer. And then keep the endurance like we talked about that. Just keep on. Don't quit. Quit should never be in your mind. You just keep on. If you fall, if you stumble, if you sin, you ask forgiveness and you get right back on the track. These verses help us to think, too, of the ninth fruit of the spirit, temperance, for self-control, spirit-controlled, seeking to please Jesus with our lives and habits. We see self-control in these verses with laying aside these weights and sins and then continuing to run consistently and faithfully this race that God is before us. There's times we're tired. There's times we have plans that include us and what we want to do. And something that we face many times as women, even our meal today, is that sometimes we get very, very hungry, right? We also see beautiful examples of temperance in Hebrews 12, 2 to 3, in the life of Jesus. His mind wasn't on food or sleep, but it was on doing the Father's will and the needs of others. These give us the perfect example of what to do when we get weary or faint in our minds and want to give up. Take care of your body, get the proper sleep, exercise, but there's other times we need to be busy about the Lord's business. And to try, if we haven't, to develop more godly habits in our lives. These godly habits are such a wonderful thing, again, because we don't have to plan them. They're already planned in our lives when we wake up in the morning. If you have time that you spend with the Lord, that set time, you'll be faithful every day, and the Lord will be pleased. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, always been favorite verses. Um, know ye not that they which run in a race, run all. We're all in a race, depending on how you run it, but you're all in a race, but one receiveth the prize. Now, we know the race that we're talking about. No, we each go for that race. We're not racing against anyone else. So one, that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate or has self-control in all things. They do it for a corruptible crown. You remember the runners back in Greece? They did it for this, this crown that was going to wilt in a couple of days. They spent up to a year preparing for this race that to be the first one to get that crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty so fight I, not as one that eateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be cast away. Paul is using here the beautiful example of temperance in the life of an athlete, both in a race and also in boxing. So many important areas are affected in our life by the self-control 
that we have or we don't have. Strive, in verse 25. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate or has self-control in all things. This word strive in the Greek has the idea of agonizing, laboring fervently, self-control with abstinence from everything that would make us weak as Christians. Do everything you can to stay vigorous and active like the athletes do to make their bodies shape. Exercise is a good thing to keep our bodies fit. Vitamin B12 is a good thing to take too, that energy vitamin that gives us lots of energy for the, for the days. We use our body in our service, but our mind and our thoughts need to, need to rule it. Isn't that interesting? Does our body sometimes want to rule our mind? I'm hungry, but you just ate an hour ago. But I'm really, really hungry. The mind needs to tell the body what it's supposed to do. That's God's purpose. Many times our body tells our mind what it wants to do. We need to have a fixed purpose. Know what our goal is. Well done, now good and faithful servant is what we want to hear from our Father. Paul's greatest fear was to be unusable for Christ, beating the air. Paul wasn't going to miss his mark. He didn't just waste his energy on those things that would produce no, no result. Think of what you spend your time on. Is so much of it just beating the air? Wasted, scattered, inefficient efforts? We must have a goal as we run. We must keep our eyes on Christ who already came, overcame his body. Day after day, we need concentration and preparation to serve the Lord. Verse 27 gives us some great information as we run this race. To keep under my body is to strike yourself in the boxing term, under the eyes to plummet yourself until you're black and blue, to keep under your body. And to bring our body into subjection means to make our body a slave or to treat it like a slave. It's the verb of doulas. That means to be a servant or a slave. Our body, again, we don't get that, do we? Our body rules. Our body is to be our slave. We tell our body what it's to do, not vice versa. These two verbs give the picture of the athlete who does everything that he can to discipline himself and keep his body under vigorous control. If you don't exercise, if you just eat, all, sit at home all day and eat, how much energy do you have to go serve the Lord? Not much. Not much. It's a good thing to exercise. It's a good thing to, to um, have, have um, a schedule. Have things prepared that you're going to do and follow through. I'm too tired. Well, maybe if you didn't sleep, maybe if you're sick, that's fine. But if you're just tired, get up and do it anyway, right? Tell your body what it's to do. Our mind is to be subject to Christ. Philippians 2.5. Would someone read that? But this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to have that mind of Jesus Christ. Think like him. Follow him. Temperance is for self-control is to lay aside every sin and every weight, as Hebrews 12 talks about. Throw your whole mind and body into the effort. 
Set goals for yourself. Run with untiring endurance. So run that you may obtain that prize at the end of your race. Matthew 16, 24. Someone please read that. Then said Jesus on his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's what Jesus said. That's good, isn't it? Deny yourself, your desires. Make sure that they are Christ's desires. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about being a witness, soul winning, giving, it, giving people an opportunity to learn and know Jesus Christ just as you know. And where would you be today if someone hadn't come to you and told you how much Jesus loved you, how he died for you, and how he wants you to be, he wants you to accept him as a savior, to enter into his family, where would you be? Where would you be? Going through trials without the word of God, without Jesus Christ to lead and guide you and give you his encouragement, without your church family to lift you up when you falter, where would you be? I wanted to share a couple of, this first one is a poem. I, I'm guessing, but I actually think I was probably about 25 years old when I heard this, and it changed my life. It changed, I remember thinking back to Silverdale, Pennsylvania, where we lived, the last house before my husband, you know, felt called to go to Bible college. And I remember this, this poem, I had already known it, it was on my heart, because I hadn't witnessed to neighbors across the street, I'm not sure how old I was, but I want you to think of this poem, and I hope it's a blessing to you. My friend, I stand in the judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth, I walked with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together on the earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand this day condemned before you because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things, it's true. I called you friend and trusted you. But I learn now that it's too late. You could have kept me from this state. We walked by day and talked by night, and yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die. You never you knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you through joy and strife. And yet in coming to the end, I cannot now call you my friend. I wonder if there's people that you know, neighbors, close friends, relatives, that you've never shared the plan of salvation with. If people don't know about Jesus and don't hear about Jesus, they have no opportunity to trust Jesus. If we are truly a friend, we're not afraid of being embarrassed about losing. Why would we be embarrassed to tell about the person who, who gave his life, died an agonizing cross, an agonizing death on the cross? God himself. Is that not amazing? God himself came to be one of us to take our place on the cross. You, you couldn't have made anything up like that. It's magnificent as that, that God himself loved us so much. This is another really neat story I wanted to share with you. After a few of the usual Sunday evening hymns, 
the church's pastor once again stood up, walked over to the pulpit, and gave a very brief introduction to his childhood friend. With that, an elderly man stepped up to the pulpit to speak. A father, a son, and a friend of a son were sailing off the Pacific coast, he began. When a fast-approaching storm blocked any effort to get back on shore, the waves were so high that even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright, and the three were swept into the ocean. The old man hesitated for a moment, making eye contact with two teenagers who worked for the first time since the service began, looking somewhat interested in the story. He continued, grabbing a rescue line, the father had to make the most excruciating decision of his life. To which boy would he throw the end of the line? He had only seconds to make his decision. The father knew his son was a Christian and he knew his son's friend was not. The agony of the decision could not be matched by the torn of the waves. As the father yelled out, I love you, son, he threw the line to his son's friend. By the time he pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, his son had disappeared. Beneath the waves, his body was never recovered. By this time, the two teenagers were sitting straight up in the pew, waiting for the next words to come out of the old man's mouth. The father, he said, knew that his son would step into eternity with Jesus, and he couldn't bear the thought of his son's friend stepping into eternity without Jesus. Therefore, he sacrificed his son. How great is the love of God that he should do the same for us. With that, the old man turned and sat back down in his chair as silence filled the room. Within minutes after the service ended, the two teenagers were right at the old man's side. That was a nice story, lately began one of the teens, but I don't think it's very realistic for a father to give up his son in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian? Well, you've got a point there, the old man said, glancing down at his worn Bible. A big smile broadened his narrow face, and he once again looked at the boys and said, it sure isn't very realistic, realistic is it? But I'm standing here today to tell you that that story gave me a glimpse of what it must have been like for God the Father to give up his son for me. You see, I was the son's friend. If you've developed in your life the great need to be a witness for Christ, you will be alert to people wherever you go. Cashiers at different stores, doctors' offices, wherever you are, that people have a soul and they're going to spend eternity somewhere. You'll have your gospel leaflets ready. A witness in person is a great thing to do, to give. But I firmly believe that we need to have our gospel tracts with us to also give that. Because how many people remember what we say enough? The gospel leaflet presents, you, presents them with the truths about the plan of salvation, about God, and lets them know how they can know that they're saved. You have to have them handy. I have some purses that have it right on the outside of my purse, a pocket for tracks, and I always use those. I have one that's just inside, because we're going to um, Israel in 
Scotland, it's, hand, it's handy to get to. But it's got to be handy. If you have a zipper and you're fumbling in that purse because you see somebody you want to give a turn to, by the time you have it out, they're gone. And opportunities are missed. And you know what? You may think that's silly, but we don't know what God uses. We don't know what our tracks do. If one soul gets saved from a thousand tracks you hand out, is that not worth it? To do that, to be ready and anxious to see everyone that you can have the opportunity to accept Christ. Will they all get saved? No. No. The road's the road is narrow, it's not broad. No, there's some that it won't, but by perseverance and witnessing and loving people and continuing to reach out to them if they're neighbors or people you see over your kids, never ever stop praying for your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, relatives, never give up, never give up. So we need, we really need to be faithful about that. Talk to people in the store. You know, do you know where the spices are? You're looking for something you don't know. Ask somebody, and then you get talking. Do you know this? I met somebody in the store buying sour cherry juice to add in my smoothies. He had four of them. So, of course, I said, what in the world are you doing with four of them? And he takes it for um, arthritis. And he said, within a week of taking one half cup, this is a hint in case anybody has arthritis, he said his arthritis was better. Maybe not perfect, but better. So when you're doing that, yes, it's not a full friendship you have, but you do. You get to know them a little bit, and it's easy to slide into the gospel. There's so many opportunities we can take, and sometimes it's just plain blunt. You just plain have, you're passing um, doctor's offices, things like that, receptionists. But do you know that, at least in Ohio, some of the doctor's offices you can go into, you can end up giving out seven or eight tracks because you meet this person to take you to this room and then this room to this one and this one to that one. And not everyone will think that's a good thing. I had a doctor when I, when I dislocated my finger who I gave a track to him and talked to him a little bit about going to heaven. And he laughed and said, oh, I'm going to hell. And he went out and was laughing and threw it away and talked to his nurse, you know, and they were laughing. But my daughter-in-law was there. And you know what? It made a real impact in her life, Corinne. Be just seeing that, she was just amazed at the response of some. And really, my heart, if I can share with you, the thought that came to my heart after that was maybe the next time, maybe the next time that someone has an opportunity to give him a gospel leaflet or read it. You know, never give up on people. He could get saved. Those people in your stores that look like, you know, you think, oh, they're definitely not interested. Don't count them out. Sometimes they've never had love. I talked to one girl in a store and she was of a persuasion that, you know, you would think she won't be interested. And I talked to her and she said, oh, I'm going to hell, of course, but she looked sad. And I thought, you know what, maybe nobody ever loved her. Maybe because she knew I was a Christian, whatever that meant to her, she thought I looked down on her. And God, I shared that with Brian, I think. God has really placed her on my heart. I tried to go back with this Kroger's and I never came across her again. But um, God loves everyone. 
He loves everyone. He's not a respecter of persons. Anyone he loves, the down and outer, the drunk, whoever it is, Christ died for them as well. So many people, don't be deceived thinking, oh, there's a lot of people who go to church in Indianapolis. A lot of people who go to church are depending on their good works to get them to heaven. A lot of people do not understand the gospel message. Relatives of yours, write a letter, make a telephone call, better a video call, or send a track and a card, but be faithful to at least give people the opportunity once. 30? Okay, a couple of missionary quotes. People who do not know the Lord, this is Nate Saint and Jim Elliott, two missionaries that went to the Alka Indians. People who do not know that this is Nate Saint, people who don't know the Lord, ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget, too, that they are expending their lives. And when the bubble is burst, they have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they've wasted. Jim Elliott said, you've heard this, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Pretty neat. This was said as well, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Do you realize that? Somebody you're afraid to witness to because they're a pretty neat person, and you say, well, I'll just wait till the timing is right, and they die the next day, and no one ever witnessed to them, no hope. The Great Commission, Hudson Taylor, wonderful missionary, is not an the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel of every creature. Command from Jesus Christ, every creature. Only eternity, our eternity will either be heaven or hell. Jesus wants us to be faithful. We cannot save anyone. I can't save anyone. My persuasion can't save anyone. But we can lead them to the one that can save them, and God can work in their hearts. And I know this is spending so little time on such an important topic, but it's crucial and one of the most important things we can do with our times. And it is, like Jesus said, as you are going, you, you know, you can make a specific time to go, or as you are going, wherever you are going, be faithful. Be faithful to look and see people as souls for whom Christ died. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Solomon said that, and through the inspiration of God. Pray for boldness. Somebody said something, I think it was Christina, about boldness. I prayed for boldness, and I looked for verses to memorize for boldness. You know, so I Google, of course, and then I pick these three that I hope are there. Acts 4.29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Acts 4.13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. People thought, who are these fishermen? Listen to the magnificent message that Peter preached. And they're thinking, these are, these are just nobodies, unlearned, ignorant fishermen. And yet, 
They had the boldness to give their lives, and they did give their lives. They were willing to give their lives for Jesus Christ. And last call, Ephesians 6, 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Um, I'm just going to close with this. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. For which cause we think not, don't think, Keep on going. Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. As you get older, and our outward man just keeps getting... I'm 72, and it's like, how did I get to be that age? I don't know. I don't know, but I am. I look back, and I think, yeah, okay, there were a lot of years there. But as we get older, and our outward man perishes, getting closer to the grave... Yet our inward man, day by day, is renewed. We can have joy. We can have love. We can serve the Lord. If you're laying in a nursing home, you can you can serve the Lord. I met in Indianapolis, and I'm closing. I met in Indianapolis a lady a long time ago. We were at Eagle Dale on the furlough, and um, I went with Donna Vance, a friend of mine, to visit somebody in the church. She was laying on a bed. She couldn't get out. She just laid there the whole time. In her room, there was a big missionary map on the wall. And we went there to be a blessing to her. And you know what happened. We walked out of there, and she had been such a blessing to us. To us. How can anyone lay in a bed 24 hours a day, not be able to get up and have joy? Well, Christians can do that filled with the Spirit, because they've given their life to Christ and know that their lives aren't important, but other people are. And she prayed for missionaries, and that was... So when we get older, we can still serve God. We can do what we can do with what we can do, but our inward man needs to keep getting, getting renewed. So if you're weary, run in God's strength. It's not our strength anyway. Run in God's strength, by His grace, finish your race, and win that prize.